Welcome back to the Beat the Often Path podcast, where we highlight unusual success stories. Because unusual times, well, they call for unusual success stories. And if there's one thing we know about 2020, it's pretty dang unusual. My guest today is Dustin Barnett, filmmaker, entrepreneur, owner of a chain of highly successful vape shops in Colorado called VaporCore. Vaping, I hear you say, isn't that what's ruining all them kids? Well, we get into the ethics of the business and so much more in our talk today, but most importantly, we discover how Dustin is able to fuel his art and passions with money from a thriving business that he built and how that combo has been his key to happiness and fulfillment. So with that, let me introduce Dustin Barnett. Dustin Barnett, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Uh, it's really, really fun. So the theme of today's episode is the scene from Gladiator where he says, are you not entertained? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. That's what I was told as my prompt. Yes, <laughs> we must entertain as well as inform. <laughs> High energy. Yeah. The podcast space is very competitive. Oh, that's true. Okay. All right, I'm going to up the energy a little bit more. All okay, right, here we, we go. go. You feeling fresh? You feeling <laughs> loose? You feeling ready to go? Yes, sir. Awesome. Well, with that, Please enlighten us as to what you do. What is your story? What's your career? I am a, uh, I own a chain of vape shops in uh, Denver, Colorado uh, called VaporCore. I got into it about six years ago, right when uh, y'all first started to hate us as a culture <laughs> when we were when we were first uh, plugged as the douche flute peddling Satan mongers. Uh, that the right. public knows. Um, and a fun fact, you also sponsored the stadium in Brockmire. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Gosh, a little gem I'll, for listeners. That that was, a, that was a little extra thing whenever I watched that show where I was like, man, I hate how much they have us pegged. The <laughs> <laughs> Vapor Core presents. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was really, I was a, I was a three-pack-a-day smoker. Okay. Uh, Easy, easy, easy. It's literally like I moved to Colorado when I knew nobody at all. And so I I bought a pack of cigarettes without a lighter. And I was like, okay, I'll go find a cigarette smoker and we'll have something in common and we'll make friends. Uh, And then you get just just so massively, massively. I don't know. Do you ever smoke cigarettes or are you a cigarette smoker? I am not. Um, I have smoked the occasional cigarette at parties here and there, but um, I've never done it habitually. It's like drowning on purpose. Okay. Um, <laughs> it is. It's like, <laughs> it's like for all the kids out there, it's like drowning on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's like drowning on. purpose. I have seen that commercial in the '90s, but go on. <laughs> um, and and so um, and I, I was living in Colorado, uh, and it, I kind of just fell into the industry. I was a musician. I was a creative. It's it's what I always wanted to do. It's still what I always want to do when I grow up, if I ever get there. Um, is just create and have fun stuff. Uh, and then I, uh, had what's, uh, known as apraxia. So I had a seizure and I woke up with the inability to talk. I could read, I could write, I knew what I wanted to say, but the Broca area of the brain had fractured. And so I, I talked as if I was a baby, as if I was like a one or a two year old who couldn't formulate words. So I went down to Austin, Texas to learn sign language. They have a really good sign language school there and I really, really wanted to learn there. And on the way I did a lot of really weird experimental therapies and uh, I got the ability to talk again. 
Uh, I've got a, a little bit of a list, but I could talk again. And so the number one thing I wanted to do, like so the do second, I. I, I don't have an excuse. I have a list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just an idiot. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I wanted to sing. And so the, I was just any place that would let me play music in the back. I did. And so one of the things I started playing in the back of was a vape shop. And they did not like that the resident musician was taking a smoke break every couple of minutes to smoke three packs a day while he was mm -hmm. doing this. So they're like, look, we'll give you a vape. Then I started working there. Um, and there was like this weird moment that was kind of like, you ever saw Clerks 2? Where it's like, I have not me... Yeah, me, me and my buddy were just like, why the fuck are we doing this? And he's like, because we could build up our own money and open up our own goddamn vape shop. Um, and that's what we did. That's that's really what we did. We put our mind to like just kind of following the ebb and flow of what we thought vapes were going to become. We got really right and were infinitely wrong probably two dozen times <laughs> along the way. Um, and... And I'm, so, I'm really lucky to have the life I do. Um, so the, you know, the, the ideal podcast is a sort of hero's journey, as we discuss, right? <laughs> yeah. I feel like we've knocked out the journey part of the hero's journey in like the first 30 <laughs> seconds. Like, I got this debilitating disease and then I'm fine. And now I got to be, all right, we're going to have to rewind. So what, <laughs> what is sure. this? What is it? It's called a, a pox. Say it again. Apraxia. Apraxia, okay. Verbal so, apraxia. And is this related to smoking? Is this a genetic thing? Like, how does it just no, it random isn't bad luck? Just it, it's a kind of a string of bad luck. So okay. I, I have a childhood, what's known as a childhood epilepsy. Okay. Uh, which I didn't know until this happened. Uh, when it happened, they were like, how long have you had epilepsy? I was like, I don't have epilepsy. Sometimes when I'm really stressed out, I like fall yeah. down and shake. And they're like, that's epilepsy. And I was like, oh, oh like eight years. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so when you have a seizure, depending on your type of epilepsy, a lot of times it damages the same part of your brain. And so for me, it was just the last straw. It had nothing necessarily to do with smoking as much as I would love to throw smoking mm. the blame for that yeah. and really punch him in the gut. <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't throw that at him. Um, but it, 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 the, the apraxia was uh, a wide awake nightmare. <laughs> okay. And through this treatment, how long did this treatment process take? I believe the first time was a year to a year and a half. A year to, to a year and a half. Fully, to fully talking again. Now, is that typical? That sounds remarkable to me. Is, is it normal that people it recover fully? It is very rare that you come back. Oh, my God. Very, very rare. Oh, this and, is the first hiccup. <laughs> and, ex yeah, and experiencing this, was it sort of slowly, like I'm gaining a word here and there over the course of a year? Or was it like nothing, nothing, nothing? Oh, there we go. I'm back online again. So... Weirdly enough, so the, the way that I've have heard I've heard it described a bunch of ways, but the best ways that I've heard it was the pathway to your brain that's your motor function from your from your broca area to the other part that lets you talk um, is like a road, and apraxia works as a mudslide. So the more that you work over it, the more that you could do it. So singing, another language, cursing, all not the broca area. Right. And all that's what you hear with, like, you know, with people who are in music therapy, patients with dementia, Alzheimer's, that kind of thing. They can sing. Mm -hmm. They can't remember anything. Fascinating Which stuff. is is great. But I'll I'll tell you, 
I was not an inspiring person with this. I was mm. definitely hard to be around, yeah. mean. And when you do get it right, it's not like a hallelujah. You're immediately back after that. So then that realization, like waking up without legs again, when you're like, but I said a word right. It's like, you've still got a long way to go. Wow. Um, so it was, it was, it was, it wasn't easy. I, I think it, it must've made me funnier. I'm definitely a better listener. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that is, well, congratulations. That's a truly remarkable start here. Um, yeah. one quick aside, Austin, Texas, all that it's cracked up to be yes or no. Oh, Austin, Texas is, a, is like if Boulder, Colorado tried too hard. I love Austin. Okay. <laughs> I <And> love that's... <laughs> Austin, but they did the whole keep Austin weird thing. And like, I don't think anybody's asking anymore for that. They're also, you know, I love the town. It's got everything and they're really great. The problem is they know it. Mm. <laughs> they and they're know like they're all really... these damn Californians moving in here, driving up the price. Anyways. Hey, you know what? I'm a Texan in Colorado. And so when it comes to like as yeah. a straight white heterosexual man, I was never really persecuted before I came here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right in. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you're smoking. You have a clerk's two moment. You're saying, why don't we open this thing? And your buddy now this this desire to open up a shop um, is your buddy the money man in this? I mean, did did you take out a loan? What? How did this? No, go forward? I have very very generous parents, okay. and so yeah yeah, I have no problem saying uh, where I got the money because it was my folks. My okay. my dad um, worked in oil his whole life. Um, not necessarily like, you know, I, yeah. I, you would believe me when I call you an oil man. He's right. not, yeah. he's now not, the Texas is starting to make sense. Yes. He's yeah. not Daniel Plainview, but he, he did his time in an oil field. And my mother was a family law judge or a uh, lawyer and is now a judge. Wow. Um, and so while we were trying to opening up, open up our first shop, it was kind of contingent on will my mom win the election? I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Are you not sure this off. isn't a Netflix show? Because I feel like I've seen <laughs> this somewhere. I'm, I'm totally not kidding at all. And they're basically like, well, you know, they, we were middle class. They were far from like, you know, wealthy or anything like that. But they put a lot of money into my mother's campaign. Okay. And I was like, look, I think I can make this bare minimum 20 grand. Mm. You know, 20 grand. I, I can pay you back within two years of this loan and like we can do it we want to see if mom can win the election and i was like all right cool do y'all need canvassers or like what do you need i think i spent my 24th birthday was election day like one of her election or maybe a, a preliminaries or something like that and i remember it being let's say negative three thousand degrees outside like shivering forever and i wish i could say that all i was thinking was like i hope my mom wins but i was like if mom wins i can open a business <laughs> and i was i was very very driven um my business partner um his his was much much easier uh he's he's far from spoiled or entitled uh, but it definitely came from uh, more money than me. I always tell the story of I was there when he realized his grandmother lived in a mansion. Because uh, I was like, we were driving, and I was like, damn, look at that mansion. And he was like, wow, that looks like my grandma's house. And I was like, your grandma lives in a mansion? He's like, yeah, I guess so. I was like, <laughs> what does she do? Oh, she owns a helicopter company. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
So yeah, my business partner is, we're left brain, right brain. We are left brain, right brain. He is completely analytical. I couldn't do this without him. And I make it to where he doesn't have to talk to people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he's, he's the spreadsheets and numbers and all of that. He learned accounting in like two weekends. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just so That's we got great. started. I mean, we have accountants now, but. <laughs> he's the Bobby Fisher of accounting. I get it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A really great guy. So cool. we were going to, at this point, with this money, we were going to um, franchise with a very large ESIC company, the one that we met and that we were working in. But, I'd rather okay, but not. The, so the $20,000, so that is, you're talking Denver, Colorado, right? You're talking, or is, was it a suburb? Uh, Greeley. Greeley, okay. So Greeley, Colorado. Greeley, Colorado, which is so where 20... I went to college and I knew uh, was an affordable part of Denver that I at least had at least a finger on the pulse of the community. Mm. And you're thinking 20 grand, this is going to renting a space on a street that you know? I mean, what what's the initial thought with the, the money there? Okay, so it was bare minimum. So this yeah. was, this was, I work for free. Okay. Uh, we have a showcase with literally, we had two devices in every full showcase that had two devices in each one. Mm -hmm. um, and then we started making our own juice, mm. um, which at the time was kind of new, uh, but really looked down on because it's not like those other big time vape scientists who went to college for it. Like, I don't know what, well, I don't know where the mindset was, but it was like, are you really certified to do this? And it was like, man, no one asks a bartender if mixing Jack and Coke takes a degree, man. We're making a Subway sandwich in a bottle for real. Uh, <laughs> so, so we we're off to a great to start with this. Fabulous. <laughs> Well, we had a bathtub, so like, and we were just Ikea mixing some furniture. shit in there. <laughs> we had Ikea furniture. We were making our own e-juice, and just, like, the cheapest Wayfarer and, like, Lowe's toolboxes where we set everything up in this way-too-big-for-us space in Greeley, Colorado. Um, for the first week we genuinely thought of starting to sell smoothies because we had more people coming in thinking that VaporCore meant we sold smoothies. Where the math is there, we never figured it out, but it literally was like, dude, for like two grand, we can get a smoothie machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and, and then the weirdest person is to thank for us helping take the town. Um, I guess two. First would be Eli Corliss. He's a... Uh, uh, a show promoter in Greeley, Colorado, owns a theater called The Moxie. If anyone's listening is in the area, The Moxie Theater is the best venue ever that you could go to. And two is the rapper Mike Jones. Mike Jones? <laughs> Mike yes. Jones! What? Mike Jones. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding. No! So, Mike, so Jones, Mike, Mike Jones! Mike Jones came to town in Greeley, what? Colorado... And I was like, I went to Eli, I was like, let me set up a booth. And I'll just, yeah. I'll light up, it'll be like a light up table and I'll just, I'll sell vapes. Uh, and that was literally the defibrillator or at least the Kickstarter, the, the key bump that our company needed <laughs> to really start jogging our way into this. Okay. Um, 
it was around this time, right when we first started going, that the city decided to ban vaping. Wow. So... And was, uh, we were dancing. was cigarette smoking, all, that was already banned, right? For some time. That was already banned. Okay. And Greeley, at the time, I believe, wasn't even allowing dispensaries in. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about and right. So, like, there was no money. It's not like we could be like, but we'll pay you over $200 in taxes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, so, we started, I started speaking at city council meetings, and then I got to the truth of it. And so the truth of it was we had a competitor opening and this competitor was opening up an historical downtown Greeley, something that there was not illegal, but the city had asked him repeatedly to not do. And he decided to fight them. And this stirred this avalanche. And they shut it so, all down. Yep. They're like, well, it. they banned vaping indoors, but okay. here's the thing. They didn't care about me. They cared about him. Mm. So after they passed it, I'm not kidding, three and a half years go by where we just ignored that. We just did it anyway. We just vaped indoors. In those three years, that guy moved locations four times and shut down. His employees slowly moved over to us. He just pissed the city off. Uh, and then about you know, I think it was about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, a guy came in and was like, hey, there's a no vaping ordinance in Greeley. And we're like, oh, yeah, but like, we don't do that. And he's like, well, I'm the enforcer, so you have to stop. <laughs> so we, yeah. we went to city council again. And here was our plan, you see. I was going to go. And, <laughs> with, with the hat tell... you're wearing, I like that. Here's our plan, you see. <laughs> we had a plan. <laughs> and it was, I'm going to just tell the truth. And I was like, look, y'all passed this and we just didn't do anything. But in that time, everything you said that was going to happen hasn't, such as you didn't get any complaints. We never allowed minors in the door. Uh, on one side of our shop was a GNC. Another shop was a gym. These are health nuts. Not a word. And they're like, just because you broke the law doesn't make it okay. Uh, and, and they... They stopped that. So we can't vape inside in Greeley anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, over those years, we've opened two more shops. We opened one in Fort Collins, which was my second store, uh, and one in Denver. The Fort Collins store is, uh, is kind of steampunk themed. The Greeley store, or uh, yeah, the Greeley store is like cyberpunk themed. And the Denver store is covered in abstract arts and jaclays of Basquiat and stuff like that. So we try and go real weird and different with it. We try and listen to our so, customers and our clientele. What's the time frame then between opening your doors and you're successful enough to branch out? Oh, man, you actually set yourself up for a great story on that. Uh, so six months. Cha-ching. Six months. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so five five months in, we are chugging along. We've, yeah. we've got now probably six mods in each showcase. <laughs> and people are starting to understand what we are. Are you breaking uh, even at this point? You're, you're doing we're well? We're breaking even. Okay, cool. We're breaking even. We're treading water. Um, I think at the six-month line, I had made $1,000. And I was like, I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like, look at me. Everybody said I was never going to make it. 
Um, and this That's guy, smoothie money. In. Yeah. That's halfway this, to smoothie town, baby. This guy came in who worked for Halliburton. Uh, and not like your average Halliburton guy, but like your average, like my dad, like a like a just an oil worker guy. Uh-huh. And he seemed a little, you know, aloof. You know, he wasn't really paying attention. He was just kind of talking about stuff. And he's like, um, "Oh, I want to invest in y'all." And we're like, "Okay, well, we we don't really do that. <laughs> we're just kind of a couple of friends who own a vape shop." And he's like, "Okay, well, you know, I'll give you." I give you 50 grand for 5%. And we're like, yeah, if you could come back Friday, we'll have some papers drawn up. And we're gonna, so we hired a private investigator to look this guy up. Uh, we had this guy come in. Um, he wrote us a check. He got his 5%. I have never seen him again. I send him a check every once in a while. I've never seen his face again. I don't remember what he looks like. It was the, it just, <laughs> it just <laughs> happened. It That's just insane. happened. Uh, I never saw him again. Don't know what he's doing. Don't know where he's at. You know, Ryan, if you're listening, what's up? Yeah. Uh, give me a call. I'm did, sure you still he have my number. Did he appear from like a circle of smoke in the ground and then disappear? I, yeah. I just, <laughs> so much like, of it. <laughs> and it's so weird because every time I get a fish tank, it boils. And he said that would happen, yeah. but I don't know what that's yeah, about. Yeah, like there's some crows are just um, flying into your windows and dropping down. I'm going uh, to hit fascinated. my bait, but that's on brand. <laughs> that's that, that's on um that is truly awesome okay so a little bit of an injection of cash there's always a question of you know did you bootstrap or take on some money so that's interesting yeah. to know um i want to get into more of this but i think i want to do a quick you know quick quick hard switch just for a second since we're kind of getting into this episode a little bit now um we have done some pretty interesting things like we did a csa box regenerative vegan farm was the guest preceding you um and Coming into like vape is a whole different train of thought. So for all the people there who are like, what the hell is this asshole doing? Um, maybe, you know, I'm sure you have a soapbox here about vaping. You said you've been maligned or, you know, it's been perceived as this douchey, horrible thing. Um, yeah. But I want you to enlighten me and all of us on, you know, is is it unfair, the criticism of vaping? What What is your thoughts on it as a business? Is it immoral? Is it unethical? Is it bad? Good. Oh, I, I think the, the problem that I have with any type of legislation or regulation on vaping is any problem anyone would have with it. Uh, the only difference is I, I kind of have an indoor look at it. Like uh, here, in, here in Colorado, just a, a quick start off to this. Uh, we just had Prop EE. So Prop EE will slowly raise taxing on vaping by 67% mm. uh, uh, over the next seven years. Okay. Now, they say that this will go to preschools. A little about me, my wife, uh, who I've been with for 11 years now, is a preschool teacher. Mm. <laughs> so we had a lot to talk about on this. Um, but, but really what this does is, is put a really pretty face on a transparently corrupt thing that they're trying to do. Mm. And so what that will do, uh, inevitably, will get people back to cigarettes. If you, are, if you are spending so much more money on vapes that it's more financially responsible to just kill yourself, guess what? We're addicts. That's why people don't take Oxycontin. They start doing heroin. Mm. Um, 
And unfortunately, once they stop vaping, that means that all that money that was going to these kindergartens now isn't going to that kindergartens. Mm -hmm. So they've had their cake and they can eat it too. Mm -hmm. Now, this is some of the very few things that have come to us. Uh, now, there's a lot of things that VaporCore is behind 100%. No advertising to kids. Duh. Mm. Duh. Uh, I got into this industry, God, I want to say in 2013, before there was a federal legal age, which meant you could have sold to anybody if you wanted to. Is that we right? Didn't. I didn't know yeah, that. We didn't. Oh, a lot of, at the time, and, and the industry was regulating itself, such as the industry was doing things like uh, juice companies would say, like, unless you send us a photo of your door where it says you have to be 18 or up to enter, we won't even sell you the juice. Mm. And this is just something the industry was doing. Mm. Um, we have companies, uh, there was one, there's one company called Candy King. For all you vapors who are listening, there's a company called Candy King that for a long time, uh, the cover of their boxes were um, uh, Sour Patch Kids and, and Twizzlers and Redfish and things like that. These are very popular phrases, phrases uh, flavors, but they can go fuck themselves. I'm simply, we have so many eyes on us that there was just no reason to do it. So we wrote them a letter and we said, the moment you change your box, we'll carry your flavors again. Well, a few years ago or about a year ago, they changed their boxes and guess what? We carry that flavor now. Mm. Um, you see, you see yourself these, as in like opposition to cigarettes as in a better alternative to cigarettes that is, so would that I, be the- 100%, I think it is illegal for me to say that they're healthier, so okay. I won't. But in my personal opinion, Dustin Barnett, who has no speech whatsoever for the company of VaporCore and the people that work for them, um, I think it is an infinitely better alternative. Uh, it's proven we have a higher success rate than any other smoking alternative that's ever been around. Um, you can track by dollars and cents the, the cigarette smokers whose lives we're saving. And whether that means quite literally or just personal uh, growth, health, and mentality, um, it's very easy to sleep at night. <laughs> it's so very like, easy. Obviously, we grew up in the failed dare generation, the dare ethics yeah. say no. Um, gateway drug being a concept which I think many of us don't even necessarily believe in. But what would you say to those who would say that uh, vaping is a gateway drug to smoking for kids that, you know, it's, it's maybe too easy, too attractive, um, taking too much I, of a hold, that it might be causing new smokers where there weren't some before? I would say that I half agree. I mm. think that vaping has the same problem cigarette smoking had back in the 30s and 40s and 50s. It is cool. It is new. Um, it is. It is all of those things. Now, it does not mean that that necessarily responsibility falls to strictly the vape companies, rather that we educate people in what this is used for. And I think anyone who's ever worked behind the counter with me has heard me tell 21-year-olds, you should leave. Because mm. um, they're like, I'm 21. I want to start vaping. It's like, I want you to imagine that you just said, I want to start smoking. Mm -hmm. I want you to imagine that that's what you just said. Mm -hmm. um, which happens a lot. And anyone who's worked with me has heard me give that speech time and time again. But I think it's right. I don't think it causes new smokers because I think it's something different. This does one thing that no other smoking alternative has ever done, which huh. is this, makes cigarettes taste gross. This makes it to whenever you do go back, 
it sucks again. It's like your first cigarette. It makes you cough. It, it messes up your mouth. It, it screws with your taste buds. Mm. Vaping can help reset that to at least that primal desire of wanting to taste that smoke again is gone. Um, I also think I, I kind of have a leg up in the success rate of vapor cores because I also have the marijuana industry here, um, which has helped countless people stop smoking cigarettes. Mm. Um, but so you I mean, I think to that you cater to that market as well now, or, uh, in some stores, some stores I'm okay. allowed to sell uh paraphernalia. I don't sell like bond. It, it all has yeah. to vaporize. It has to be high tech, has to be cool. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, so nothing combustible, nothing combustible. Okay. Um, uh, some I do, some I don't. I, my Denver store, I can't, um, but all the other stores we but uh, I do think it can start new vapors. I think that's bound to happen, but I think vapes existing cause new vapors because right. people are stressed out. We're all addicts. We all have our vices. Yeah. Um, I see no problem with someone vaping, but if that vaping problem is going to come to them imbibing in high levels of nicotine yeah. daily, right. uh, when they could have otherwise maybe s sought therapy or... Mm -hmm meditation or whatever that may be to get your mind off that stress. Um, but sometimes things really suck and you really want to vape. I get that. Uh, but I agree. I can, I completely, weirdly enough, I completely agree that it does create new vapors, not new smokers. And what about, you know, I don't remember what the specific thing is, but there's all, you know, I'm, I haven't been following it too closely to be very honest with you, but, um, you know, people are saying, I think I've heard things like, what is it? Propylene glycol or something causes hearing loss or there's other things that happen so, from what so is one in the of, one of the things I'm, I'm actually i'm super glad you brought this up so there's the the biggest thing that a lot of people will bring up and it's it's usually a, a hot topic or kind of a bullet point that someone will say is popcorn lung have you heard that no but it sounds familiar i mean I, i've heard that there's so, some you know the droplets or these things yeah so there's a there's a thing there's a, a flavor of them of the many ingredients that people use to make flavors one of the very popular ones to add the flavor of butter is a chemical by the name of diacetyl hmm. diacetyl is a chemical that is used to make buttered popcorn tastes like butter popcorn now the term popcorn lung um is impossible to cause through vaping i know that because it's only happened once which is why it's called popcorn lung in an Orville Redenbacher facility with a broken ventilator and 2,000 times the recommended dose of inhaling pure diacetyl, uh, these people developed this very bad lung disease. And they found this word and this disease and that it is in vaping and they've been attacking us with it. To give you an example of how insane that would be, that would be like if I told you one time on a dock somewhere three tons of broccoli fell on a guy. Yes. And so you shouldn't eat broccoli because it will crush you to death. <laughs> hey, they're not wrong, man. <laughs> it will crush you. Now, don't don't tell your kid I said that. She'll use that against you forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew it. Uh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. It's kind of shocking. That as, for, as for propylene glycol fake. and vegetable glycerin, they are antibacterial, <laughs> yeah. antimicrobial, and they have been pumping vegetable glycerin and propylene glycol into hospital airs for over 50 years to keep it hospital clean. Hospital airs? Every hospital you've ever gone to, you've breathed in basically flavorless, unobtainable <laughs> vape. You've already unobtainable done. vape, dude. Now, that is truly interesting. Yeah. Yes. There's your quote right there. That's the any, cool quote. Any, any hospital you've ever walked into in yeah. America yeah. does it.
Man, I had no idea. That's fascinating. So why I, would I, they tell you? Yeah, right. Why would they tell? Why would they tell you anything? Um, <laughs> I so okay. This is really cool stuff. So there's there's obviously a couple different directions we can go here. There's the entrepreneurial story. There's you know the legislative story. Um, one thing that I wanted to touch on. I know you to be a deeply artistic person. You said at the beginning that you are a musician first and foremost. I also recently connected with you when you were making a film project. So I know you're dipping yeah. a toe into film. Um, so this brings up an interesting point about using a business to financially support art, which is something that I'm generally very interested in. So maybe we could touch on, you know, how you feel about that now. That is my goal. That was the yeah. goal of VaporCore from the beginning. Right. I, I wanted to have a business. My uh, business partner has a degree in film editing. Okay. Um. I've been, me and you have a very close personal friend named Zach, yep. um, who I've been making movies with for about 10 years now. Yep. Um, and I've been, I've been going off the domino effect. What is it? You start with the domino and every domino you make after that is one and a half times bigger. It takes 29 dominoes to knock down the Empire State Building. We're always just trying to make the next domino. Um, and our dominoes started getting expensive. <laughs> our dominoes started getting expensive. I hear that. Um, and so it, it really started coming down to like, if we're going to do it, let's just do it. Let's just go for it. Um, I highly recommend um, if, if you're the kind of person who is creatively driven, but needs money, find what you're willing to sacrifice. Because for me, that was time. For me, that was time. I had the comfort and the benefit of knowing people who were also doing it that I could keep an eye on and talk to them about and do it on my own level um, while saying like, okay, well, I can't do this. Let's make a play. It's like, okay, cool. A play costs this much. We'll do a play. It's like, all right, cool. Let's do interactive theater. That'll cost like two grand. All right, cool. I'll scrounge up two grand. We'll get 15 friends. It'll be really fun. Um, but be careful because at no point and I hope my business partners feel this way. I've, I've never treated my company as a, as a endless well of money. And so um, the, the best advice I was ever given was from one of my first bosses whenever I delivered cheesesteaks for five fucking years. Um, and he said, pay your employees, pay your taxes, pay yourself. In that order. In that order. In yeah. that order. Right. In that order. Pay your employees, pay your taxes, then pay yourself. Um, and, and that has been a guiding force. Those three steps have been every last thing. I can't recommend it enough. If you're creative and you're a business owner and you're like, I need $100,000, I dare you to rewrite it for 10. I dare you. Because you'll be amazed at what you can do with that. Because the moment that you start putting these financial roadblocks on your creativity is the moment that doable projects become impossible. It's the moment that, you know, I have a, a great comic book I've been working on for three years. And Zach's like, why don't you film it? And I was like, why don't you read it and tell me if we'll ever have this money? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you know, uh, so I would say, like, obviously, if you're the kind of person who would rather die than work a day to day job, keep going, man. I believe in you. I trust you. I think that you're totally going to make it because you would literally rather die than do anything else. Not me. 
I'm an indoor cat. I like my creature comforts. I like collecting art. I like, I like staying indoors in air conditioning and having a nice place. And if that means that I might not make it sooner and that as opposed to making 10 movies a year, I make one 30 minute short, I'm really happy with that. I'm really, really happy with that. Um, you know, for me, the goal isn't, I don't want to be a billionaire, but I want to die and win life, you know? <laughs> right. Don't we all? Yeah. You, I want to die yourself, and have no one say I was boring. Do you, hey, that's the only thing I got going for me. <laughs> <laughs> do you, uh, do you see yourself transitioning or is it like, I'm always going to do this or, you know, do you see yourself a transitioning into other businesses or B transitioning out of business altogether at a certain point saying I'm full-time art, or is it like, no, this is 50% of my life is the business, which will always fund my artistic endeavors. How do you see that going forward? Oh man, that's a great question. I really don't know. You know, I, I recently Zach approached me about starting a laundromat and I was genuinely excited about that. So okay. I would say like, I don't think I'd ever do a business that didn't excite me. I don't think I'll ever stop working. I don't think I'll ever want to stop working. Um, and I don't really divide my time up like that. Like really, I'm, I'm really lucky in the aspect of like my job in this business. Um, we have one person who does all the ordering for all the shops. We have one person who does all the accounting for the shops. And I just kind of travel around from shop to shop, train new people, hire new people. And I work behind the counter. I give the owners time off. And so this year was kind of a weird one for me. Usually I spend six months in Greeley and, and Fort Collins living in an Airbnb. Mm. Um, and so come Christmas time, I like take two months off and like, don't fucking call me till January. Yeah. Well, this year there was a pandemic <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I'm not living in an Airbnb right now. So it's, do it's you, just uh, been. Do you own your home or rent? Uh, I rent. Yeah. Okay. I rent. Is that a philosophical yeah. thing? Are you one of those people who believe philosophically it's a smarter decision? Uh, I think it's a smarter decision just for me because if I, yeah. you know, the average home in Colorado, I believe is four hundred to six hundred thousand dollars. That would mean yep. that you would want to put down a down payment of eighty thousand yep. dollars. I would personally rather invest eighty thousand dollars in myself and my other projects, or possibly even open a new business than yep. invest in a home. And the benefit to that is I can take a fucking shotgun to my hot water heater and have a new one tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would say if slash when the housing market absolutely crumbles and we have realistic prices for houses, I'll buy two. You know, <laughs> like, I love that attitude. But, but right. But right. It. Right now. Uh, it's it's literally that one thing that no one ever says in any sales is buy high. You know, that's just. Uh, well, some people say not, it, but they're trying to sell you something. Exactly. Or it's like, it's only going to keep going up. It's like, ah, right. oh, like every market, it only goes up forever. Forever. Yes. <laughs> Especially now. So, you know, along those lines, I think, what is the day to day? What is your day to day like? That's that's super easy. My day to day yeah. is that of somebody who works in a vape shop. I uh, will go to work. I usually open it at like, if we open at nine, if I work there that day, I'll open at like 8.30. So we've always been the, the first shop to open in the state. No one op opens before us and that is a constant thing. You can't wake up before me. Um, and my theory behind that was if you go to a vape shop at 8.30 in the morning, you need us to be open. <laughs> oh <my laughs> you God. need us to be open. Yeah, that which would is seem to be right. 
Um, so most of the time, uh, you know, for anybody who doesn't know what it's like to be uh, working in a vape shop, it's the easiest job you'll ever have. It's easier working in a record store. You sit behind a counter, you vape, you talk with your friends. People who come in always want to see you. It's like you're the guy who fixes their AC. Yeah. You know, no, if, they're, if they're mad at you, they're not mad at you. They treat you like a bartender. They open up to you. People have told me stories that'll just bring you to tears. We had one guy in Fort Collins who was a terminal cancer patient who came in to say goodbye because the people told him he had a week left. Un unbelievable, that really happened. That really happened, that was probably about three years ago. And he had a fedora, he had a little fedora that he always wore and he wanted us to sign it. Um, and insane characters. And so, you know, worst, worst days of work you don't bring home with you unless there's something that would ruin every business like when i've had my windows smashed in or someone broke in or um you know i've i i've never come home from a day of work and just been like why do i do this mm. because it's an easy job i'm maybe the only boss who will ever say like do we had a huge sale yesterday tomorrow's monday you might want to bring your switch in like, uh, it's, it's a very, very, very easy, fun job. It's, it's about the best experience ever. And what's great is that, you know, we have so many of these high driven people. Yeah. Vapors are one of the most informed consumers ever. They're always doing research on the new stuff. It's like cell phones 20 years ago where there's a new, better one every week. Mm, yeah. Um, so when you, you get one of these customers who's really driven and wants to make the money and just wants to work there, and so many of them work there just for the fucking 50% off discount. Um, they are used to these high-stress jobs where they have to do shit all day. And like, now what? I was like, do we have 800 square feet? Like, sit down. <laughs> like, mm. jump on YouTube for a second. Um, the day to day is easy. The day to day is easy. You well, know, be, obviously, you know, to be, uh, to be very honest, with you, you make the whole thing sound easy. <laughs> How many people are saying like, oh, I just started a successful business and now I'm doing the art. Um, and I don't there, are there takeaways from this for other people? Because it's almost like everything just was like green light, green light, green light. It's like, was it, was that just luck that you found the right business at the right Absolutely. time that it worked out that way? I mean, is, or is there some planning or scheming or something that other people could because you know, everybody kind of wants that, I feel, right? Oh, yeah. I, I would say what made it any success story that I've heard that has ever been worth it to where it always seems easy, it's because they love their job. If, if my business partner, Devin, had my job, he'd hate his life. And if I had Devin's job, I'd hate my life. I couldn't sit at a computer all day and put these numbers in, but he loves to be home. He loves to be with his family. He doesn't like talking to strangers. He doesn't want to do this. I love talking to people. I love meeting people. I love feeling like I've helped somebody. Um, and I don't mind doing that for 20, 30 bucks at a time. You know, mm. um, I, I think that like, if someone's like, I want to open a vape shop, is it easy money? No. The reason that our vape shops are doing so well is because we pride ourselves on, you can't be nicer than me. <laughs> you can't be nicer than me. Um, and I love decorating. So I think a lot of it is that I love to decorate. I love to put up art. I've always been an art collector and decorating my shops to make them look different and a fun experience to come into warm, welcoming is a huge part of it. If, if you are a vape shop owner and you are watching, look at your shop, paint it. If you have a white wall, you've already made a mistake. Mm. Um, you know, 
it's it's one of those things that just the smallest touches remind people. If you have an employee that's, uh, have you ever been to a vape shop? Oh, I mean, not specifically. I've walked by plenty of them, though. I mean, I know the aesthetic yeah. that most of them have. Yeah, so that guy that you're thinking of, and like, yes. don't get me wrong, I vape. I, I, I we've got I a lot drive of those a here in LA. Subaru. I'm wearing a fedora now. I know what I am. Well, uh, <laughs> I think yeah, there's probably a difference between the Colorado vape guy and the LA vape guy. I'm thinking that's, of a different guy. <laughs> the oh, really yeah, vape guy is not the same. I yeah. don't believe. Yeah, as it's the guy true. right I don't have here. Any hand yeah, I don't have he any hand tats, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's wearing a hat, but it's a different hat. <laughs> so, I mean, I think be be as different as you can, be as sociable as you can. It, fire quickly. Fire quickly. If you have somebody who doesn't enjoy the job or they're monotone or they're a poor salesman, like do that. Also, to every vape shop owner out there, know what you are. We are vape shops. We are here to get you from college to whatever you want to do after college. Um, I had this uh, am amazing employee. I don't mind saying his name. His name is Chris Martinez. One of my favorite employees really helped us whenever he first got started. He was going to school to be a welder. The day he graduated, the day, he called me crying. And he was like, I don't know what to do. This guy just offered me a $22 an hour job welding right out of college. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing on the phone? Hang up and go say yes. Go, go say yes. Uh, know what you are. Don't fight for your employees if they're moving on to bigger, better things. Help lift them up. You know, let them go to school. Let them get a second job. Um, you know, so, so many of these people that own a vape shop think it is the end all be all. And it is for me. Mm. It is for me. It isn't for my employees. Um, you know, sense. teach, learn, grow, care, care so much. Just care. Yep. Uh, and as for the question about luck, yep, that was luck. All of it. Every yeah. last little bit of it. <laughs> yeah, I wish I wish I could say I tried harder than the next guy. Um, I think I just liked the job more. Mm. I think I just liked the job more than the next than the next guy. I, and I'm I'm so willing to just die behind the counter. And timing. The timing. The, the timing was impeccable. The timing was, it's like right saying, like, how did you get radar. so good at Bitcoin? It's like, I don't know. I just kind of bought it in 2011. It's like, <laughs> right, yeah, I just bought you it know, like, when it was free. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it really, like, so much yeah. of that is is really just, you know, what I really say. I, I can't recommend enough. If you can have your finger on the pulse of traits and be right, do that. <laughs> mm. that's always yeah i've always noticed the best businesses always seem to follow a trend of some kind a, a broader trend every startup yeah. you know I've, I've built helped build multiple startups at this point and the one thing that they've had in common is that they were all riding a wave of some kind uh, yeah they can be very different but there's always a wave or the right time to get into the right industry with the right concept i i believe so strongly that these are factors that can't be ignored no, no, not not at all. And and to, you know, anybody who's doing that, there's no anybody who tells you like I was never afraid that the bubble was going to pop is a liar. Mm. Is a liar. I'm afraid now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 6 years deep and I'm afraid now. Like any moment it could be tomorrow where they're like we ban vapes overnight. And then what do I do? I become the Al Capone of vapes? Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, you hope you have three more years under the radar, maybe.
Yeah, yeah, maybe. So much of it, so much of that time was literally forgetting that that was a law. (laughs) It's like, oh, oops. (laughs) What? Yeah. Yes. And we really thought our plan was going to work. I remember being so cocky. It's like, once they hear that no one said anything and that we've already been doing it. <laughs> right, like, yeah, that always works. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, we probably shouldn't do but that. Yes, it was going 100 <laughs> in a 25-mile-an-hour zone, but everybody's fine, <laughs> officer. But, yeah, I've been doing it all the time. Yeah, I, like, this is not the first time, and I did it willingly. <laughs> and, um, you know, but I think one of the coolest parts about doing this show, this podcast, is that you start to see, I mean, th- my theory was that the traditional ways of doing things just don't work anymore. I mean, I think we all grew up and not even so much our generation as much as the previous generations of, you know, you go to school for one trade, you have one passion, there's one thing you like, you're an accountant, you go to accounting school, you become an accountant, and that's just your, this is who you are. And it's just so funny to me that the more people I talk to, uh, I find more stories like yours. Like, I'm really a musician, but yeah. <laughs> I built a business in vaping and now yeah. I fund and I'm also a filmmaker um, because I just feel like that story hasn't really been allowed to come out. It's, it hasn't been highlighted for so long because people say like, you know, oh, you you used to be a DJ and you also do marketing and you also like comedy and late night comedy with Conan yeah. and Stephen Goldman. Like, yeah, yes, I do. I like all of those things. Yeah. And I'm good at all of those things. I don't know. That's weird as hell, but it's true. Mm -hmm. And I just love hearing stories of somebody who is successful in their own way, in their own definition. And you're like, I'm very comfortable showing up from here from 830 to 5 every single day so that I have the money to make what I want to make without begging somebody else for money, which is always a problem in art. Oh, oh, it's... It's my biggest pet peeve. It's 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 the the reason why I will just hate people's scripts. Or it's like, what's the fucking plan? <laughs> like, yes. Someone That's reads LA. this and gives you twenty million dollars. <laughs> right. That's L.A. in a nutshell. Well, all the people who aren't making it in Hollywood—that's them yeah. in a nutshell. Because nobody understands this gigantic gap between the business and the art except for the people who are already doing it, you know, the Disneys and the studios and whatnot, who they very clearly understand. Oh, it it also doesn't translate the other way around. When I started making uh, Wonderlist coming soon. um, (laughs) (laughs) Plug it on the screen. (laughs) Uh, When I I started making Wonderlist, none of it worked like business. None of it was like, cool, let's get this guy on and we'll talk to him. He's like, no, 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 we're not filming for seven months. And I was like, sure, let's put it in the books. He's like, no, that's not how it works. I'll call him three weeks out. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, I'll call him three weeks. He doesn't know what his schedule is in seven months. He's like, who the fuck doesn't know their schedule seven months from now? I was like, everyone here. (laughs) Okay, fine. And then I started paying people. And I was like, all right, make sure nobody leaves before I pay him. And he's like, no, 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 we'll we'll pay him uh, sometime within the month. And I was like, what the fuck? No, no, no one leaves set until they're paid. (laughs) Like, I hate, I just refuse to do it. So it just, it doesn't translate one way or the other which way it's, it's also the same way of like, I'm, I'm currently um, wanting to fund someone's project. I want to be an executive producer. I want to be on the producer side, something that I didn't write that I can kind of watch from afar. There's no way to protect my money. Almost, almost no way to protect my money, which is something as an investor that I'm just researching like a motherfucker yes. because I want to know a way I was like, okay, I'm going to give you 10 grand for you to do this. And then you don't do it. Right. What, well, do you know, what do I, I mean- do? Do you know the fastest way to become a millionaire in film? 
No. Start with a billion dollars. Oh, that's that's fantastic! Oh, I could get that tattooed across my chest. Yeah, that's, oh, that's fantastic. a little gem. That's another. There's another one there. Every every so often we get one. Um, uh, yeah, I, I was just gonna say, like, and and like, look, so much of this for me uh, doing this was a lack of time. So, uh, just while we're at the end points of this, about two years into VaporCore, I had what they thought was a degenerative brain disease. Told me I'd be dead in five years if we didn't know what to do. And so in that moment, I had sacrificed all this time and made nothing. This was two years into VaporCore. The plan was make money, go make movies. So I just freaked out. I just started making everything that I wanted to do. Uh, right at that time when I was diagnosed with that and being like, oh, I'll totally make it through. Best friend goes into surgery, drops dead. Uh, same, the same week, <laughs> the same week. Oh, so I'm sorry, I man. start, I just, ah, it's fine, man. I really, really what it did was it made me the creative responsible person that I am now while embracing the chaos of not taking myself too seriously. Um, but if, if I can tell you, it, it wasn't easy. And every last bit of it was, I need to create. I just need to create. If that is not something that you still feel in those moments, don't create. Mm -hmm. do, or do it as a hobby. Mm. Do it as a hobby. Because it won't kill you if you don't. Mm -hmm. It won't kill you if you don't. Well, you had and that moment me, of clarity where... I have it will got kill to me. do this. Yes, yeah, I must. I have to do this. Which I, I feel that I would be the same way. Yep. I, yeah. I know it well. Yeah. Um, um, super interesting, man. Um, I wanted to take this last bit and go into some rapid fire questions if you think you're up for that. Let's do it. Lightning round. Right, let's do a little bit of lightning round. Okay. So first off, do you read how much per week if you do? And do you read for pleasure or for self-development business? That kind of thing. I have recently been reading until the sun goes down every day. I don't have a television, so I have a projector. I also have a bunch of plants. And so if the sun is up, I can't watch television. So I read comic books. Um, I'm, I'm writing a comic book, and how I read is I looked up the top 100 graphic novels of all time. I bought every single one, and I'm making my way through. Um, I just read Transmetropolitan. I read for pleasure. Um, I always look for what's next. Okay. That sounds good. Um Daily routines or spiritual practice? Anything that you must do each day? I work out an hour and a half to two hours every morning with my cousin, Nick. Uh, this is this happened over the last uh, month, Damn. month and a half, maybe. I'm jealous. Um, uh, yeah, so hey, I'm super down early. You're, one, you're part of like the 5 a.m. club. Uh, 7. 7 a.m. Okay. All right. 7 a.m. Uh, yep. other than that, uh, I smoke a little bit of weed constantly. <laughs> a little bit of weed. Okay. Got <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Dress for success or dress for comfort? Uh, oh, six, uh, oh, I'm, I'm a fashion snob. <laughs> success. Okay. Got success. It. All right. This one is a must make, must make. What is the answer to life, the universe and everything? I want to say 42 really bad, but okay. uh, well, kindness, Woo! kindness. Kind. Uh, that's very nice. All right, that's, that's two excellent answers to that question. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> uh, 
All right, here's a little funny one. Do the five closest people you hang out with, do they represent an approximation of your income? What do you mean? Well, you know, they say that you earn roughly what the average of your five closest friends or associates earn. Do you believe that at all? And is that true for you at all? Not in the slightest. Okay. Interesting. Not, not, Um, not even close. Okay. So, high and low. <laughs> high and low. <laughs> some oh wow, interesting. The five closest, one higher, two higher, some much lower. There's 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 one that's worlds and worlds above me, and then the yeah. rest are are much, much lower. Do you think that the one who's worlds above you is helps you push? Would you be doing as well as you are without that person in your life? No. Uh, so key would, to have not absolutely somebody higher in your close circle. As much as he infuriates me, yes. Wow, I that's, that's interesting. Okay, no, that's that's a good little tip. That's a good little very tip. close personal friend of mine. Yeah. Wow. Um, what is more important, talent or effort? Talent. Yeah, that sounds sounds about right. So here's another little thing that I always like to ask. Um, so I've read a, tons and t- I read business books, biographies, autobiographies. That's kind of my jam. I just like real stories. There's something about it. I like fiction when it comes to comedy and that sort of thing. But in terms of books, I like biographies, autobiographies. Okay. So one of the things that has always interested, I mean, you, we kind of touched on this earlier, but you read a lot of these books and it's like they started on a farm. They had nothing. And then <laughs> after they made their first million, then they invested and they became a billionaire. I'm like, but what happened between the farm and the first $100,000? Like, how did we get... Mm-hmm. To that most important start, like, I think we all know that you can probably turn a million dollars into more if you're not a total idiot, but um, first 100K, what is your advice to people who are looking to get that first $100,000 for a business or whatever, or an art project? Oh, gosh. Uh, sacrifice would be number number one. Number one would be, what are you willing to give up for that? If the answer is everything, you can get pretty close to, to starting stuff out. Everybody's got, uh, you know, probably five to $10,000 of stuff they can get rid of. It's just whether or not you need it. Um, and then the other answer to that is what are you willing to do for it? And I'm not saying sell your body, but you could easily become a paralegal or work the front desk at a dentist's office and get full benefits and a nice cushy $40,000, $50,000 a year job, uh, for an absolute thing you give a fuck about, but how much can you put away that year? How much can you, you know, sacrifice, 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 sacrifice. How much pain and discomfort can you be in to get what you want? My answer is a good deal. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. What's your goal right now? What is the next step? Okay. Lifelong goal. uh, Quite simple. I want made by Dustin Barnett to mean anything. To mean anything. Whether you love it, hate it, or don't feel anything about it, I want you to read made by Dustin Barnett and think something. And feel something. Yeah, my short-term goal right now, I am I'm currently uh, working on a pilot for a television show called Wonderlist, coming soon, uh, that I, I really hope can show what f- people my age do in real times of grief and how we refuse to deal with that. Okay, cool. Very cool. Um, do you feel successful right now? Yes. Okay. Yes, I feel very, very blessed and successful right now. I've always said if I could keep doing this and stay right here forever, I think I'd be great. 
That is awesome. I think it'd be great. What a great spot to be in. Um, <laughs> no, that's wonderful. Uh, okay. What is the smartest piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, uh, it's an old quote, and I'm I'm not going to say who said it because I'm probably wrong, but I see as far as I see by standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. It, um, or uh, Avengers Endgame says something great, which no amount of money in the world has ever bought a second of time. That's true. Both, both of those, I have chills, and those are both very stupid quotes. <laughs> That's right. And there's also a very dodgy film made to that effect uh, starring Justin Timberlake, I believe. <laughs> what, do you mm. remember that film? I fucking love that film. I, I rewatched that time? film in time. About time, time is great. That's another oh, one. <laughs> in time. Okay, in time. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's one of those I, movies I that's do. wonderful if you just don't think about it too much. Just don't oh. analyze it. Just go yeah. along for the ride, and it's great. It's starring Justin Timberlake. Right. So it falls apart. What else do you, you want, Ross? That, it no, seems I, like I you're asking too much. Yeah, I know, I know. It's I well, and all right. And then speaking of which, we're gonna get into our final couple questions. If you're gonna okay. be inducted into a boy band, then Backstreet Boys are in sync. Oh, uh, and uh, as much as my wife is going to kill me in sync. Okay, well, there you go. All right, at least Our you're consistent. Our superior boy band. I don't care who knows it. <laughs> at least you're consistent. Consistency is important. That's what we're looking for these days. Um, okay, who do you personally know that has the most interesting or unusual path to success? Oh, shit. Uh, probably my mom. Probably my mom. My mom is from a very large family. She's one of eight um, from a very small town that's damn near impossible to get out of. Um, very, very comfortable town. And she got out, you know, worked her way through law school, started her own law firm, um, you know, became a judge. She's easily the most strong, successful, just weirdest damn woman you could ever meet in your whole friggin' life. She, my mom's the one who got all of us into Brockmire. She's the one who called me and was like, if you haven't seen Brockmire, watch Brockmire. She's, she's an incredible woman. I owe a lot to her, including VaporCore. Including your business. And dad too, and my dad too. That's, that <laughs> is fantastic. Well, you know, that's all of my questions. Thank you so much for joining me. I would like to give you the floor for a couple seconds. Anything that you want to promote, anything you want to draw people's attention to, let her rip. Um, no, man. I mean, I would say that if you're watching this uh, because you're thinking of owning a vape shop, uh, if you really love vapes, if you really think you can do it, if you love talking to people and you like helping people, it's a very accomplishable goal, guys. It's 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 so doable. And really, like, run some business numbers and realize if it's just you and a buddy working behind a counter, how much would it take for you to survive and be happy? And if that number doesn't add up, how much do you like it? Um, Sacrifice is everything. If you're a creative just go do it. I know it's stupid advice. And I know that everybody says it, but I mean it. I've not done it and I've done it. And I would literally rather play and lose than not play. Um, well, yeah, I think that's an awesome sentiment to wrap it up. So with that podcast officially over. Boom. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Often Path podcast. If you've been enjoying this show, please like, comment, share, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to me on YouTube. It would mean the world to me. 
Also, do you have an unusual success story or do you know someone who does? Well, please recommend them to me. They could be a future guest on this show. Maybe they've rolled the largest boulder down the mountains of Tibet, or maybe they built the world's largest chicken farm in Madagascar. The point is, I don't know what I don't know, so I'm looking for inspiration and unusual success stories. So help me by being a part of this adventure. I'm looking to grow this podcast with you. Thanks again for listening.